You're listening to the Red Moon Radio Podcast, episode number seven. Today, we're talking to Long Beach, California's Mike Smith about his project, Sunny Skies. Red Moon Radio is a weekly podcast dedicated to garage and psychedelic rock, as well as good old-fashioned rock and roll. We bring you the best new music, introducing you to your new favorites, along with interviews with bands to watch. Red Moon Radio is produced every Monday and is available on Podomatic at redmoonradio.podomatic.com and on Stitcher at stitcher.com slash red-moon-radio. You can also follow the show on Twitter at redmoonradio1, on Facebook at facebook.com slash redmoonradio, or get in touch by email at redmoonradio2015 at gmail.com. Links are available in the show notes on our Podomatic and Stitcher pages. Come back often and add us to your favorites. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello again, everyone. Erin here. Thanks for joining me today on the Red Moon Radio podcast. It's great to have you with us for another episode. This week, Red Moon Radio had some exciting news. We've joined the other fantastic podcasts available through the music website 53rdand3rd.com. If you're not yet familiar with the site, check out the notes on the Podomatic page and follow the links. It's absolutely filled with amazing music, reviews, commentary, and podcasts, and we're honored to be part of that. Red Moon Radio will be added every Tuesday. This week's show, as always, was a lot of fun to record. While you're listening, download previous episodes of the podcast with Robbie Fisher, ZX Plus, Betrayers, The Tailbreakers, Slobby Kiss Soiree, and last week's episode with Susie's. The focus of Episode 7 of Red Moon Radio is Long Beach, California's lo-fi project, Sunny Skies. To start the show, let's hear a track from Sunny Skies' latest album, I Kinda Like Living in the Sky, the fun little rocker, The Sun is Hanging Out Tonight. Long Beach, California's one-man band Sunny Skies is described by label Burger Records as lo-fi pop rock, and it's an apt description for a band with influences such as Sebado, 
the Elephant Six Collective Band's Olivia Tremor Control and Neutral Milk Hotel, as well as Favorite's White Fence. With an imaginary band and his friendly cloud pals, Sunny Sky's music consistently brings the California sunshine to his lo-fi yet diverse sound. It was great to talk to Mike Smith, the talented mastermind behind the project, via Skype from Long Beach last week. Hey Mike, thanks so much for joining us today on Red Moon Radio. It's great to have you. It's super awesome to be here. Who said the, the moon and the sun couldn't be friends? You've been recording as Sunny Skies for a couple of years now. For re- listeners who are just discovering you now, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, the project, and your sound? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, um, I've been recording uh, like at home for, for many years since I was in high school on a four-track. And as the technology advanced, and um, I just started getting more and more into the recording process, but I never really taken it seriously. So like more about getting ideas for a band to play. So I really wanted to really hone in on this idea of a home recording project and kind of how Sunny Skies got born. I feel like the best description is what um, Sean and Lee from Burger, they called it, they called me a lo-fi pop rocker. And I kind of think that's great because it is kind of poppy and it does rock at times and it is definitely lo-fi because it's done in my, my second room here in the house. So. so what are your biggest musical influences for Sunny Skies then? Oh, the biggest ones for sure. I mean, there's a few. I mean, definitely, you know, back in the 90s, I was a big, huge Sebado fan. They were recording, home recording and four track. And it kind of, it helped me understand like, hey, you know, people are making records from these recordings. These aren't just like one-offs and ideas. These are actual, something valid about that. So definitely that. And also the Elephant Six group, you know, like I love like Elephant Six bands, especially like Olivia Tremor Control. I think is a more of an influence on me because I think like I love, you know, Neutral Milk Hotel, but it's such a vocal heavy band. I don't know. There's something about that whole collective is really inspiring to me to really take recording to another level. So definitely those two for sure. You know she's lost her mind For good this time Every thought's dragged around With a weight behind She sees herself in need of prepare Maybe someone help her lay her soul down
Sunny skies. Where did that name come from? <laughs> well, uh, I just I wanted to come up with a, a something kind of kooky that's conceptual at the same time, and the idea of a weatherman up there on the screen by themselves 
predicting, you know, the weather was really kind of like something I kind of like was like, that's kind of awesome. You know, I'm kind of by myself recording these songs. So I kind of came up with Sunny Skies as a weatherman name for myself. And um, there's actually there's been other characters and people out there named Sunny Skies. There's like a, a, a hip hop guy that goes by Sunny Skies. So I just smashed the words together and made it one word and kind of owned it that way. Would you consider yourself an amateur meteorologist? I consider <laughs> consider myself an amateur predictor. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a couple of full-length releases, and those are available through Bandcamp. Correct, free. But put a zero there and the dollar sign, they're free. Yeah, make sure you do that. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> good. Can you tell us a little bit about the albums that you've released so far? Sure, yeah. Um, the first record, uh, it's called The Imaginary Friendship. Um, I self-produced it on vinyl. I made 300 copies. Uh, it was just... I really got into the process and at the end of the day I was like I just can't put this out only digitally and in fact the digital version on Bandcap is recorded from the record I had my friend is a kick-ass stereo system so I just mic'd it and so it's from the record so then the digital is kind of analog in a way but I really just that first record I really got into the idea of well if I'm gonna do this by myself I don't want it to sound like one guy doing every instrument I want to feel like individuals within the band so I kind of attribute like, who's my bass player? What would he, what would this bass player be like? You know, I picture, like, I'm really a guitar player at heart and by trade or whatever. So as bass, I just lean up against the wall, pretend I got a cigarette in my mouth, and that's what my bass player would be doing. And just, and I went, made sure there was like a couple criteria in the, in the band, and that is that the bass is always really kind of loud and driving and not overplayed, really simple, because I don't want to play like a guitar player. And then the drummer, I know my limits as a drummer. So I don't go further from that. And then the next, you know, in the process, of, you know, maybe the next day, as I put on my producer hat and go edit that, you got to redo that bass line. And so there's this like within a one man project, there's there's so many different hats I put on and, and I kind of like kind of get schizophrenic about it, you know, have multiple personalities, you know. So, yeah, I did all the, the parts on the first record were done. We, everything aside from the drums were done in my house. The drums were done in my workspace. We had a a little drum studio in there it was just and I do the drums and I'd set them up at lunch and then come home and record the other tracks. Sometimes I go do the vocals because it's kind of embarrassing to be singing in your house when other people are around. So I'd go to work and do those there too. Then the second record is um, another full length I did. And that the first one was released as a cassette by Berger. Um, I just brought in the, the records to them and I've known those guys for a little bit and other bands and stuff. And they were totally open and they said, hey, let's put the cassette out. And I was super happy about that because put some ears on it and actually drew on 30 copies of their record and we they sold them on their website and uh, hand drew on like 30 different copies and they sold out that day which is pretty awesome so that was cool and the second one I actually decided to take it in the studio my friends here in Long Beach there it's called Jazz Cat Studios and it's uh it's run by Johnny Bell who's the one of the guys in the Crystal Antlers a great band here in Long Beach and um, his studio is awesome. So if any bands are coming and want to do a record in California, they should definitely go to, to check out Jazz Cats. It's in a house, a detached garage. So that was a neat process because he had to kind of figure out, well, how do I get what's inside your head onto the tape here in the studio? So he kind of taught me how to play to a click track because my first record, I just went in and did the drums first, no click track or anything. So that was kind of cool. So yeah, again, one by one, laying down all the tracks and, uh, and then, um, so yeah, the two, two full lengths, are, that's how those were done. Did your same personalities come and help you on the second album as on the first? Definitely. They have, they're the same same lineup in my head of, of, of band, same kind of criteria for sure. So this imaginary friendship, do they have names? Well, um, 
No, I guess they. That's kind of funny. They should. They should have like. I kind of picture like the bass player in my mind being like the guy that you would that would say like on the newscast, a sportscaster, and he'd be like, "Okay, that's sports now weather." So the bass player would hand it over to me because like I could see a bass player being a sports guy for some reason, or maybe a drummer too. So no, I, I never really thought of that. That's kind of funny. They should though. And you're working on a new album, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I went so I'm back in the house again. The, the studio is awesome. But I really just feel like I get more experimental and I have more, you know, when I'm by myself and I can write things over and over again, I feel like I'm not taking up someone's time and driving them nuts with the same idea. So now I'm currently, yeah, I'm recording in the house and it's going real. I'm really excited about it because I think this process, the first record was just kind of like, this is cool. I'm having fun doing this. And then it became something that was released and people really kind of responded and had a really positive reaction. So I went in the studio and did that one. And now that I'm back in my house, I have this whole new enthusiasm for just recording at home, you know? It's, so I'm hoping it comes through. Can you tell us a little bit about the concept for the new album? Totally. The first record, I'll kind of try to touch on the first three, but the first one was um, really no concept. I just kind of like was figuring out how to, to pull this together and make it cohesive. And the second one, I really kind of told this whole story. It's called, um, I kind of like living in the sky. And it's about this imaginary cloud band and they just kind of appear and they're going to travel across the planet and they're going to play shows along the way. And like as they come by California, they asked me to play with them. I scrambled in this kind of like under their spells to come up with these songs. So they're all about the cloud band. It's about this record that I'm working on now. Just really excited because it's like all about um, ghosts and not in a spooky way, more like I want them to be your friend or like, hey, you know, be my dead friend is like one of the songs I have on there. And it's no, it's still spooky, you know, like I because I just watch all these shows about like paranormal stuff and ghost hunting. And I totally think it's awesome. So it's more like, you know, show me a sign and then they show you a sign and they start communicating with you and you realize you can be their friend, you know, and and they're here. They're not. Hopefully they're not a, a bad spirit. But in my in my story, they're not. It's like I have a dead friend, basically. So it's been a lot of fun to write around that concept. When are you expecting to release that? The, I kind of like living in the sky is is going to get released by Burger on cassette early next year. So it's kind of like a little late on that one. And so I'm kind of like, I don't want to get too crazy and have something come right out. I was hoping maybe around next year, around uh, Halloween time would be probably appropriate, you know, in the fall. That would be perfect. Yeah. You sent along a song for us. I did. Is that from the new album? It is. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the song? Sure. All of the songs are dealing with, you know, like learning about this ghost that's in the house and befriending it. And then, and this one, I'm going to make sure I know which one I sent you. So real. So real, right. Because I was watching one of these shows one time and the guy in the show was, he saw something that was so real. It was hard to believe because it was so real. And it almost sounded like you're saying surreal. So it's basically... That's what the concept behind it is. You're seeing something that you can't believe you see because it's so real. You said earlier before the interview that you like to play on words. Oh, yeah. Puns are a big part of my, my life. <laughs> I'm a son of a pun is what I like to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
So you did mention this, that your first full-length, The Imaginary Friendship, was released on Burger. As a cassette. As a cassette, and then I Kind of Like Living in the Sky is set to be released on cassette in January? Uh, Early next year, they said, yeah. Okay, excellent. Yep. You mentioned that you've known those guys for a little while. How did you connect with the label? How did that come about? Years ago, I was in a band uh, called the Bolides, and that's uh, a, a, a name from Meteor, like in the 50s. They, they would think it was a UFO. So it's like a, um, it was like we dressed up like scientists, and we were it was like the Mummies Meets Men or Astro Man or something. Really fun, garage rock stuff. And the label Dionysus put our record out, and they're a pretty good record label here in L.A., and they also had a, another label called, a subdivision called Orange Sky Records. And so that's how I met them was back then. Those guys were kind of on tour, tour buddies or like label buddies. And then you also released The Imaginary Friendship on vinyl. Correct. I self-produced it. Yeah. Do you have any plans to do the same with I Kind of Like Living in the Sky? Um, not really, because, you know, I, I feel like I put so much energy and I, on all the records in this, the recordings that I do, I do put a lot of energy into them and... Um, take them like I really enjoy the process but felt like it was it was such a piece of art to me that I wanted to kind of see the finish line and and with the the second one I'm hoping you know there's maybe after the cassette comes out there'll be some interest in it and if not I think it's okay I don't know I think there's something really cool about putting out your own record but then putting out your own records it, it kind of tends to someone else should be helping you do that or you should just let it be what it is you know I kind of feel do you still have copies of the vinyl from the first album I do I probably have about 120 left out of 300 so how can people track those down um I I have links like on my band camp you can just write me directly and um I'll, I'll send you out one and I'll hand do some hand art on there unless it gets out of hand you know usually like I <laughs> I didn't mean to say that one uh, <laughs> I usually like to like send a nice note to people when they, they buy it because, you know, I've sold probably 15 records like through people just finding me online, which is so small that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping someday someone sees this, this project and says, wow, you know, this we could re-release that record. And there's this, 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 you know, kind of person that loves writing music and it shows and is pretty prolific, you know. For sure. So having released on both cassette and vinyl, which are both kind of in some ways in this digital age a throwback to an earlier time I guess what is your listening preference what do you listen to music on well I mean accessibility would be definitely the digital kind of files and stuff but to me I feel like I can hunt down and and find most free digitally that when I do that I really kind of try to buy, buy it on vinyl when I really appreciate it and that's something that's really special and collectible you know so I feel like supporting the the band or the artist through buying the vinyl. I definitely, I mean, my cassette player, the heads are so wore out. I can't even put on my own cassette if I wanted to. So definitely, I, I purchase a lot of vinyl, but um, I'm not like a crazy collector or anything. But like when I like a record, I'll buy it on vinyl for sure. So you're essentially a one-man band. Mm-hmm. What is your typical writing and recording process beyond what you've already mentioned as that one guy with multiple personalities, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tend to like I sit down and you start with a guitar, of course, and maybe a hook in my head. I'll get a hook, like something that I think is a good lyric and start just building around that. And I'll record it like in, in Logic on my computer, loosely kind of start laying down other instruments. You know, maybe in the course, I like to do it in the course of one evening, like, you know, in like a four hour period, start with this basic idea and, and see it all the way through because there's something about this like, that time of like just writing it it's like it's all it's like there's a lot of energy put towards 
it versus sleeping on it, coming back the next day. But then I might find like that one little nugget of the baseline and go, that was really good. I got to replace that or the arrangements wrong, stuff like that. But I like to just like go full force, like almost like an automatic writing session, let it happen and then come back the next day and edit it and kind of see what I learned from it. Bringing it back to ghosts and automatic writing, right? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're based out of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And, of course, California has such a vibrant music scene. Maybe you can give your perspective on some of the scene there, some of your favorite bands, local bands. Definitely. I mean, for Long Beach in particular, it's, it's, a, it's a really big city, but it has such a small little town mentality. Like, the bands all kind of hang out and know each other and support each other. And it's its location is kind of cool because it's it's so close to L.A. and Orange County as well, where they're kind of have their own specific scene. So it's easy for us to get bands from L.A. to come and play in Long Beach along with us or vice versa. So I, I feel like the, the scene here in Long Beach is, you know, for bands is kind of cool. There's there's a group of kids, if you will, that's they're called Porch Party Records. And they're kind of really putting together some good bands. And a lot of the bands are getting out and touring and stuff. And it's kind of a nice, fresh thing that's happened here in Long Beach, whereas before it was kind of like there wasn't any one kind of label or um, collective that was kind of trying to pull it all together. And it was kind of just like, well, what can, how can we attach ourselves to an L.A. show or, or who can we snag coming through town? You know, of course, L.A.'s, you know, L.A.'s got some great bands. I mean, for me currently, like my favorite band out of L.A. definitely has to be White Fence. I, I love Tim Presley and. And like when I first heard his first record, it was like such a like another affirmation of like you can do this and it doesn't have to be super produced and just an amazing artist and musician. And of course, how he's you know worked with so many so many great other artists, Ty Siegel and all those guys as well. I guess he's really San Francisco based or, or from San Francisco, but now he's here in L.A. So super big fan of his. And there's I think there's some really great bands coming out of L.A. And it's you know, but I also feel like it's interesting how. A lot of bands bands are migrating here. A lot of artists are migrating here that you thought weren't from LA, and you realize, you know, they're they're from LA now, or they're living in LA, and it's kind of a neat little hub, you know, if you will. Do you play any shows as your one man band? Oh yeah. Well, when we when I re- when we <laughs> me and my the guys in my head, <laughs> and there could be I think maybe there's a girl drum kind of thinking that might be the way it works, but that would be cool. There there needs to be more women in music. Yeah, for sure. And she's an awesome drummer. She kind of. This lays low though for me because she doesn't want to overplay. Um, <laughs> we went on the first record. I I, supp- I played live with it with um, members of the Crystal Antlers. Johnny, who plays bass and sings in that band, played guitar. Um, my, my really good friend Josh, who played bass, and he's he's he hits me up all the time. When are we gonna play again? When are we gonna play again? You know. And then uh, the drummer of the Crystal Antlers supported me as well on drums. So we played a few shows here in Long Beach, and then we played a in store at Burger Records. Those guys have told me at Burger, they said, you know, if you ever want to do a bigger show, just let us know. And so I think with a kind of living, like living in the sky, I'd like to like put together a band and maybe try to, you know, hook up on one of their Burgeramas or something like that to play something a little bigger. That would be amazing. It's so much, it's so rewarding to have uh, people kind of learn your songs and, and you just kind of realize you're not playing as much as you used to. You're like, I'm used to playing that guitar part, but you're playing it now. So what do I do? I guess I just sing now. You know, because everybody's playing my song and that's super rewarding. And it was neat to hear people kind of being really careful about playing the songs that were written, but taking subtle little liberties here and there. And that really excited me, too. Speaking of which, you've covered a few songs in the past. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those songs? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the first song on the first record, Imaginary Friendship, 
I did a Best Coast cover. Um, some of that early Best Coast was so lo-fi and amazing that I just was, you know, super stoked on it. And then, um, so I did my version. I tried to do it almost like if it was, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a masculine version of the song. It kind of rocks a little. Flying over, flying over the Ocean by Best Coast. And so I, when I released the, the record, I did write their management and ask them if it was cool. And they're like, don't even worry about it. But if it becomes a hit, we'll be talking to you, which, of course, they don't have to worry about. It. I haven't been talking to them at all. And then <laughs> when, uh, when we decided to do the burger cassette, I didn't want to run into it because I told them this is my self-produced record. I'm not selling it. It's not going to, you know, no label attachment. So with burger, I didn't want to um, put that on there just in case it kind of came back to haunt me. And uh, <laughs> Uh, so I swapped it out with a Calling Green song, which was appropriate for, for them, I thought. And I really had fun playing that song. In fact, when I did the Burger Inn store, it was the night that she was playing a show at the uh, down in, in Santa Ana, which is real close to their store. And so she was at the, the store, in store, while I was playing her song. It was kind of weird to play a song, her song in front of her. So pretty cool. What was her reaction? I didn't really talk to her afterwards. I probably I scared her a little bit. She like was really cool about it when... She found out I did it and responded socially, like social media wise about it. But from afar through the crowd, I could see her face and it. There was no expression. <laughs> <laughs>
do you have any other songs that you would like to cover or that you've thought about covering? Yeah, actually, um, and it's weird. I just realized there was a pattern on the on the record I'm working on now, Being a Ghost, it's tentatively called. I'm doing um, a Blondie cover, Touched by Your Presence, Dear, which is perfect. And I realized I have this pattern of covering um, girl-fronted bands and stuff. I didn't realize that before. Speaking of covers, you have some really interesting cover art. You're little cloud buddies. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about these friends of yours. Uh, yeah, like the, the first record, I um, the cover was, the shot was just taken on my friend's porch here in Long Beach that we kind of, it was like a place that a lot of people kind of congregate at and hang out and have, have drinks and stuff. So then I decided, like, I like this image a lot, but I wanted to do something to the cloud. So I drew the eyes on the cloud. And um, kind of from there, I started thinking about the cloud as being my kind of mascot, you know, sunny skies. And you kind of typically think, oh, it's a sun, you know, but I like the idea of these clouds, you know. So that's I, I wanted the art, you know, the, the record. There's an insert in the vinyl record and I did it, it all by hand, all the lyrics and I drew in it. And uh, I just wanted the art to be very loose because I felt like the music was kind of loose, you know, it wasn't. So I kind of like just like doing these drawings, the Sharpie and, and kind of being loose about it for kind of like living in the sky. I had this idea of, of the cloud band, like I mentioned earlier, I found an old 60s album cover and I just wanted to draw over the legs of these people, you know, and like the and the inside of the downloadable, there's a little booklet, a little lyric sheet. And on the, the, it says thank you on the very last page. And it's like the Beatles are all like bowing down. So I drew over the Beatles, which I thought was, I just wanted the art to be very loose. And I like this idea of the clouds being my mascot, you know? I like the continuity of that. Do you have any kind of desert island picks if you were going to get lost at sea? What would you take with you? If I was, if I could just, if I had to bring something with me to a desert island, I definitely would bring a deer hunter cryptograms. I'm just a huge Deer Hunter fan, and that record like was like wow, like such an amazing record, and 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 I loved it. And I and I realized later when I read up about it that it was recorded on like faulty equipment, and uh, there's something about that, and it just doesn't matter. The music's so great, and so definitely that, and definitely the first White Fence record, and whatever I could grab stuff in my suitcase or whatever from any Elephant Six record for sure.
Well, Mike, it's been super great to talk to you today. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Before we go, can you tell people how they can connect with you and where they can find your music online, where they can find out about when the new album will come out and any news from you? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, my Bandcamp account, there's a link that you tweeted out. It's just search Sunny Skies. Um, it has all the re- releases I've done so far, aside from the new thing I'm working on. Like I said, you just put a zero in that dollar sign because I don't, I don't want to charge. So those are all free. Please download them and check them out or listen to them. I'd be super happy to have that happen. And my Facebook page, I don't really, I need to keep up on it more. I haven't done much with it. It's just kind of there. Probably as I start ramping up for this next record, I'll start getting more active on there. But it's just um, Sunny Skies on Facebook as well. Don't, don't make sure you don't hook up a rap guy. You'll, I'm sure you'll be able to tell a difference. Yeah, just look for the clouds. <laughs> yeah, look for the clouds, right. And then you're also on Twitter as well. Yep. I get on there every once in a while, especially when, you know, someone like yourself reaches out to me or something like that. I, I definitely get on there and try to throw it out, throw up the pun every once in a while. But yeah, Twitter's another way to get a hold of me. And if anybody wants their record, they can, they can reach me through the Bandcamp page and just email me directly and just use a PayPal or something. I love to move them out, you know, get those records out to people that actually want them. That's what I'm kind of holding on to them for. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been amazing. It's been so great to have you on the show, and I can't wait to have you on again when the new album comes out. Looking so forward to that. Thanks so much. This is great. Great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Okay. Take care. You too. Thanks again to Mike Smith of Sunny Skies for joining us today on Red Moon Radio. I've been a fan since I heard his first album, and it was really exciting to have a chance to speak to him and learn more about the project. During the interview, we heard several songs, including from bands that have influenced Mike, Sebado's Supernatural Force from the album Sebado 3, and Olivia Tremor Control from their album Music from the Unrealized Film Script, Dusk at Cubist Castle, with the Opera House. We also heard a new, unreleased track from Sunny Sky's upcoming album, expected in the fall of 2016, So Real, and two covers from Sunny Skies, both released on versions of the album The Imaginary Friendship, Best Coast's Flying Over the Ocean, and Colleen Green's Dance the Night Away. And to end the interview, Mike mentioned some of his Desert Island picks, including Deer Hunter's Cryptograms, We Heard Strange Lights, and from White Fence's first album, Who Feels Right, the title track. Not coincidentally, Mike also mentioned White Fence's Tim Presley as one of his favorite California musicians. To round out the show for another week, we're going to listen to a couple more tracks from Sunny Sky's two full-length albums. From I Kinda Like Living in the Sky, we'll hear Let's Go to the Future and Day Glow. And from his first release, The Imaginary Friendship, Cartoon Memory and Call on the Moonbeams. Thanks again to Mike for chatting with us this week, and thanks to you for listening. Join me again next week for another episode of Red Moon Radio. Until then.